A mother understands what a child does not say. One of the reasons we have Mother's Day is that moms are an incredible, special gift. It's the reason that the biggest, baddest guy on the planet uh, who might wear leathers and have a Harley and ride around and look really tough and mean has tattooed on his big, scary, bulging bicep a heart and a mom, the word mom written on it. Uh, Moms are the first to capture our hearts, and there's something hardwired in us that as children, we willingly want to give our hearts to our moms. I recognize that Mother's Day and Father's Day and plenty of other days that we recognize are complicated topics, but think about Mother's Day and just the complicated topic that it is. Anytime that parents are brought up, it stirs up emotions, and it stirs up memories in us. I would just challenge you and, and call out to you, invite God into this morning as we talk about motherhood. Invite God into the memories, into the emotions that might be stirred up by this topic. I want to open by reading a prayer um, that I read a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, wow, this really captures what I hear a lot of sometimes as a pastor. Isn't it true that the grass can be greener on the other side for us? Wherever we are, we wish we were in some other setting. And that's why the scriptures tell us really plainly, godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. You want to be really wealthy, have godliness with contentment, being content where you are. So here's a little prayer that actually goes out to all of the moms who are in the young phases of motherhood and wish it wouldn't be so exhausting, all of the moms who are empty nesters and who wish they would have some of that exhaustion back because it's kind of quiet, Um, all of the singles who would love to be moms one day, all of those who are barren and haven't had children yet are praying and crying out desperately for God. It's to all of you. So listen to this prayer as we begin. Dear Lord, I bring before you all the people who experience failure in their search for a creative, affectionate relationship. Many single people today feel lonely and unable to sustain a friendship for a long period of time. Many married people feel frustrated in their marriage and separate to go different ways. Many children cannot speak to their parents And many parents have become afraid of their children. All around me, I see the hunger for love and the inability to experience it in a deep and lasting way. O Lord, look with favor on us, your people, and impart your love to us, not as an idea or concept, but as a lived experience. We can only love each other because you have loved us first. Let us know that first love so that we can see all human love as a reflection of a greater love, a love without conditions and limitations. Heal those who feel hurt in their inmost self, who feel rejected, misunderstood, or even misused. Show them your healing love and help them on the way to forgiveness. Amen. I want you to think about this question for a moment. Who is most honored in our society today? Think about who gets 
most honor as you think about it. Another way to think about it might be uh, who gets celebrated. Who are the celebrities? Who do we know about, talk about, who gets a lot of airtime? When I would say our sports heroes, right? Those who can hit a ball far, those who can hit a ball in a hole, those who can throw a ball, uh, those who can catch a ball, those who can hit people really hard, um, run really fast, <laughs> jump really high. Sports heroes are honored. How about entertainers? Musicians, actors, comedians, entertainers get lots of celebration. How about influencers? Who are influencers? Well, those are those people changing the world by posting pictures of their avocado toast and sharing their skincare treatments uh, with the world, and they're making the world a better place. Right now, it's really popular to say um, first responders and frontline workers, right? We see posters of that everywhere. Um, those who, especially in the early days of COVID, still went to work and had to do these things with a lot of unknowns there. How about even employees? You have employee of the week, employee of the year. They get honored and celebrated. The wealthy certainly get celebrated and honored by sheer fact that there's a lot of devoted time looking at the wealthy. So what's involved in honoring? Well, celebrating, cheering, public recognition, uh, pictures, and just general hoopla, right? Like just discussion around it and talk around it and the spotlight being on people. That's how you can tell who's being honored. I think it's true that you can tell a lot about a country or an individual by who or what they honor. Think about that. Who or what someone honors actually tells a lot about that person or a lot about that society. The question for us this morning is this. What does God honor? And what does God specifically say to honor? Who does God say specifically to honor? It's not always the same as those who maybe most of us around are honoring. So today is a message not only for moms, but also all of those of us with moms. So if you didn't catch this, you are in the category of being talked to today, okay? If you're a mom, I'm talking to you. If you have a mom, that's you I'm talking to. Since honoring mom made God's top 10... It behooves us to pay attention to God's top 10. If you want to get to know someone, look at their top 10. Go to their phone and look at the the people that they have favorited, right, for their texting or for their phone. That'll give you a little clue. How about their top 10 purchases or top 10 recurring appointments they have? That'll begin to tell you a little bit about who they are. If I were to ask you right now, what's your top 10 movies, your top 10 books, your top 10 songs? I'd begin to kind of get a sense of who you are. What about your top 10 places that you frequent, the foods you like, the activities you enjoy doing? If I get your top 10 from enough things, I can sort of get a sense of who you are. God gave his top 10 rules to live by. They're called what? The Ten Commandments, right? And the Ten Commandments are saying, here are, here are 10 words, 10 commands I want you to live by. If you have your Bibles, I want you to, uh, to open to Romans 5. We're going to get to Romans 5 in just a second. I want to just read Exodus 20, verse 12. Exodus 20, 12 is right smack dab in the middle of the Ten Commandments, and it says this, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long and the land, uh, that, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. What I want you to notice about this commandment is it doesn't offer qualifications. It doesn't say honor perfect fathers and mothers. It says honor your father and your mother. 
Doesn't say honor your parents if they're local, if they're around. Doesn't say honor your parents if you like them or are like them. It simply says without qualification, honor your father and honor your mother. The location of this commandment in the Ten Commandments is really telling. After four commands all about God, this is a sort of transitional command. It goes from divine focus, our relationship with God, vertical, and then it says, honor your father and your mother, and then all of the commands following it have to do with our dealings with people. Let me suggest this, that honoring your parents grows out of a right relationship to God. So four commands all about our our walk with God, and then the transitional one is honor your father and your mother before it gets to all the other people dealings. So your honoring of your parents flows out of your relationship with God. We see this all through the New Testament as well. Secondly, honoring your parents is the foundation of all other relationships. If you want to see if someone is wise, watch how they think, talk about, and treat their parents. Proverbs 15, 20 says this, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Proverbs 10.1, a wise child brings joy to a father. A foolish child brings grief to a mother. You want to see if someone's wise? Watch how they think about, treat, watch their attitude towards their parents. As a college pastor, I always, always warned the guys and the girls. I said, guys, you watch how your girlfriend thinks about and treats her father. She's going to eventually treat you the same way. And girls, you watch how that guy you're dating, who treats you like a cherished, prized person, you watch how they treat their mother. So telling. The first and most important relationship is the parental relationship. This is the one that all others are built on. Catch this. For better or for worse, your first relationship, your relationship with mom and dad shapes all of your other relationships. Jesus summed up the law with two commands. Remember, he was asked, what must I do to be saved? And he sums up all the law and the prophets. Essentially, he says, here's the entire Old Testament in two commands. And what he does is this. He takes the Ten Commandments, and we see this regularly in Scripture. He takes the Ten Commandments, and he puts them in two tables. One is God word, one is people word. And the one about God, he sums up with this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? That's number one. And the second is like it. What's the second great command that he puts out? Love your neighbor as yourself. Question, where do we learn to do this? We learn to do this in the home. We learn to do this in the home. We don't always learn to do it well in the home. Every one of us today brings in all kinds of brokenness. But we are to learn this at home. In fact, we do learn this at home, whether it's Godward and good or not. The fifth command is the foundation for all the others that follow. Honor your father and your mother that it may go well with you. When you learn to honor authority at home, your life 
and the life of your neighbors, co-workers, classmates, roommates, friends, and even enemies are better. It goes on to command against murder, adultery, stealing, lying, and coveting. So this idea of love your neighbor as yourself is foundational in the home. So how vital is parenting? Moms, how vital is your work with your children? The home is to be God's greenhouse for growth. Physical growth, relational growth, spiritual growth, social and emotional growth. The family unit is sacred And the family unit is the building block for all the rest of society. Listen to Proverbs 19.26. Children who mistreat their father or chase away their mother are an embarrassment and a public disgrace. You learn right and wrong at home. Again, so much more is caught than taught. I believe, parents, we are called to very explicitly teach right and wrong. But isn't it possible to hear the right thing and see the wrong thing and have a gravitational pull more towards the wrong thing? Why? Because more is caught than is taught. This is why NBC, by the way, is so incredibly focused on parents at this church. It's not even so much that we're focused on the children and youth of this church. We are focused on supporting and equipping and encouraging and rebuking and instructing and weeping and laughing with the parents of this church. Because parents, you are the ones called by God, commissioned by God, equipped by God uniquely to train up your children in the way that they should go. We long for you to succeed at your most important job you will ever have. If God ever blesses you with a child, however that child comes into your home, that of mom or dad. I have a very, very short commute, but I have made a practice of doing this. When I leave work, whether it was a busy day or a slow day, an easy day or a hard day, when I leave work, I almost every single time, without fail, Before I pull into my driveway, reset my brain, remind myself my most important job is about to start. The work's not over. I don't get to go home, be king of the castle, put up my feet, and have the world serve me. (laughs) I remind myself. Why do I do that? Because my flesh wants to be served. My flesh says I've put in a bunch of good hard work time. I've provided for the family. I'm just going to disengage. I'm just going to chillax. Not true. Here's how I want to do this this morning. I want to say a word to the moms, but then after that, I want to say a word to the rest of us with moms. So first, a word to the moms. I'm here to tell you how much I absolutely esteem momming. I'm not sure if momming is an actual word, but adulting is a new thing, so I'm going to coin the phrase of momming. Uh, It is horrifically absent in our culture, aside from this one day a year, to esteem and celebrate women who devote themselves to the raising of their children. 
to having children in the first place, and then to raising them. The vital work of a godly, diligent mom. To devote your life to the nurturing and raising of your children is a life well invested. Don't believe different. Even after this one day of the year, all the posts and innuendos make you feel small about just being a mom or just working at home, don't believe it. I want to say thank you, moms, for the work you do. And don't give up. We never stop being moms. Don't give up in that. Billy Sunday, a famous preacher from yesteryear, says this, there is more power in a mother's hand than in a king's scepter. A quick word of encouragement to you moms. And what mom doesn't need encouragement after 2020 and 2021? Probably one of the most unique seasons for all of us, but moms especially had some challenges. I want God from his own word to remind you to not only rejoice in the hope you have in him, but even in the trials that you are facing today. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Follow along if you're there. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Did you hear that? We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God and we rejoice in our suffering. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Moms, I'm here to celebrate and honor and recognize that momming is a full-time job and that it's not just your words, your actions, your attitudes but also your schedules, just all the time that goes into that. Know that all of that teaches. It doesn't even just teach your own children. It teaches the neighborhood children. It teaches your adult children how to be moms. Don't give up in this. I want you to listen to the order of the instruction given in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, What we see is this. We see something called the Shema. And I did a paper on this when I was in college. This is something that that, uh, Jewish people would, would quote every single day. The Shema. What I want you to hear is I want you to hear the order of instruction given to you. And I want to overlay this on being a mom today. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Did you hear what Jesus did when he said, how do you sum up the law and the commandments? He said, you shall lay, he quotes the Shema. He just quotes scripture. Then it says this in verse six, and these words that I command you today 
shall be on your heart. Pause. Before I go on to the activities given to Israel, hear, O Israel, people of God, I want you to catch this. Moms, keep yourself in the love and devotion of the Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These words I command you today shall be on your heart. This is the you first theme of our community groups, isn't it? I just read this in the prayer. We love because he first loved us. We show the kind and quality and consistency of the love we receive from God himself. Moms, God is the source of all of the love and wisdom and patience and energy and grace that you will need today to keep on loving your kids well. To say it succinctly, let me say this. Your most important task as a, as a mom is to remain a devoted disciple of Jesus. Your most important task as a mom is not all the things in your brain that you're running through constantly, saying, I've got to get this done, I forgot that, that's coming up. It's instead, your most important task is to remain a devoted disciple of Jesus. Then, flowing out of that, you'll be energized and equipped to carry on the good work that he's called you to. If you're a mom... You already know a giant path of the good works God has called you to. Just insert your child's name. That's what it is. Verse 7 goes on to say this. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Does momming sound like a full-time job? Yeah. We haven't even gotten to just feeding them. And then all the cleaning that goes on and the messy laundry and the messy house and the, just teaching them how to do all the other things that need to be done. We're just talking about the ways of the Lord right now. And yet when you rise and when you, go to, and, when you, and when you go to sleep, when you come and when you go, keep talking about them. Remember last week, Jesus as the door or the gate, he watches over our coming and going. So it is with us as parents to just every day, all day, in all the variety of ways that it's lived, in the highs of life, in the lows of life, in the absolute boring middle of life. You keep instructing your children in what it means to be a sheep in God's flock. So we know that moms desire to be honorable moms. Even though God commands us to honor our parents, whether they're honorable or not, we have an innate desire to be honorable parents, don't we? Also, all of us want to obey God's commands to honor our moms. But how do we actually do that? What does that actually look like? Where are we to take our cues? I'm going to wrap up our time by giving you four words to help you put this into practice. Okay, These are four words to practically live out the fifth commandment. 
And by the way, I got these from a great book. I just read this on my road trip, or finished it on my road trip. It's a book on the Ten Commandments. We're teaching our kids through the Catechism of the Ten Commandments, and this this little short book by Kevin DeYoung on the Ten Commandments. And I read this, and I thought, man, that just gives such good handles. So here you go. Number one is this. Ready? These are super easy to remember, but write them down anyways. Number one is yes, mom. You want four words to honor your parents with? Here you go. Yes, mom. Now, let me talk specifically to those of you who are living in the home right now, okay? Prompt, cheerful, thorough obedience is the goal. One time in this very room, we had all of the kids come up front, Because when you read Ephesians, it talks to parents and children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It doesn't say parents tell your children that. It says children, which means that letter would have been read in the public assembly, assuming that children were there. That's why we have children in with us much of the time. So we had all the children up front, and I gave them this little acronym. There's a couple in here who may remember this. They were probably children at the time. This was years ago. But the acronym was RAD. We have kept RAD alive in our home. RAD stands for this. Right away, all the way, don't grumble or complain. Okay? RAD's a word from the 80s. It seemed kind of cool and throwback. It's easy to remember. Right away, all the way, don't grumble or complain. My kids know RAD acronym really, really well because I preached the sermon. I kept it alive. Now remember, RAD is the goal, not the daily reality, right? We have a, we have a pinnacle, we have a goal, we have like this, this gold standard of what it could be and should be. Here are some good starting points. Kids, when mom asks you to do something, here's for starters, don't roll your eyes. Don't roll your eyes at mom. In fact, don't ignore and have selective hearing. Don't growl. Don't begin to negotiate. Some of you future lawyers begin immediately to negotiate. Don't do any of that. If you can't muster the words, yes, mom, how about this? How about turning to acknowledge that you heard mom? That's honoring to mom. And even if you don't want to do it, even if you can't say yes, mom, in a pleasant tone, in fact, you know that saying yes, mom will come out so snarky that it will be dishonoring, you turn You smile, and you go begin to obey. That would be far better than growling at mom, throwing something at mom, walking away from mom, or completely ignoring mom. Parents, we will have loads of praise for any progress that we see. I point out this to to my kids all the time. Hey, you know what? Great job. You got AD of rad. You did it all the way, and you didn't grumble or complain. You know what was missing? took you like four hours to get this done. You didn't do it right away. And you didn't do it right away, and that actually put some strain on the household because that not getting done meant this didn't get done and all kinds of other problems. But hey, great job for doing all the way. Great job for not complaining about it. Let's work on on right away. There's ways to celebrate progress, not demand perfection. That's the exasperating spirit that it commands specifically fathers not to have. Also, parents will have loads of patience for, pro- for progress happening in their home. You know why? Because every parent is also a child. 
And we have a loving heavenly father who longed for us to obey rad. Right away, all the way, don't grumble or complain. And we are people in progress. We are children growing up. And we have an infinitely patient father who still holds us to account. So we'll have loads of praise for progress. We'll have loads of patience for progress. Here's what's interesting. As a youth pastor, anytime I taught on this, right away people were like, yes, what is it? I already knew the question. You know what it was? Are there times that we don't have to obey? Quick little aside about the human heart. Notice how quickly we go to the little exception clauses. But wait a minute. What about this? So are there times that we should not obey our parents? In a word, yes, absolutely. Here's a, here's a way to think about it. The first table of the Ten Commandments is weightier. It trumps the second table. So what's the second table start with? It starts with honor your father and your mother. So if your father or your mother ever says to you, children, do not worship the one true God, you get to disobey mom and dad. If your parents ever say, hey, we've built this idol in the backyard out of all the gold from our neighbor's teeth, we want you to bow down and worship it. You get to say, no thank you in the Lord. You can still say that in a respectful way. So are there times that you should not obey your parents? Absolutely. If it is a direct command of God. However, I think much of the time when we're asking that question, we're looking to sort of get ourselves off the hook. Now, sometimes kids think they know better than their parents. You believe that? I mean, in some countries. I'm sure not in our country. But sometimes kids think they know better than their parents. And we all know that parents aren't perfect. So, is it okay to disobey then? Here's a little food for thought. Think about Jesus as a junior hire. I did a sermon one time called Junior High Jesus because we have a tiny little snippet in one of the Gospels about that. But Jesus was a perfect junior hire and Jesus obeyed imperfect parents. So the next time that you know better than your parents, you're living better than your parents, you have a better attitude than your parents, congratulations. You are being like Jesus more and more and more. Now, like Jesus, obey your parents. Luke 2.51. It says, then he returned to Nazareth, Jesus, with them and was obedient to them. I love this next line for Mother's Day. And his mother stored up all these things in her heart. Moms, don't you store up in your heart when your kids obey you? Yes, you do. It's a gift. Dear diary, you won't believe what happened today. My kids obeyed me right away, all the way. They didn't even grumble or complain. They blessed me. All right, that's number one. Here's number two. Thank you. Yes, mom is the first one. Thank you is the next one. Your parents will love it when you stop and remember to say thank you without being reminded. It just blesses their heart. You never, it, it, it never gets old to hear thank you, and you are never too old to say Thank you. In fact, I would say this. The older you get as a child, the more you have to think back and thank your parents for. Proverbs 28, 24 says this. Whoever robs his father or mother and says that is no transgression 
is a companion of a man who destroys. Let me tie this into thank you for a moment. Don't rob your parents of honor where honor is due. Don't rob your parents of honor where honor is due. We would not imagine withholding gratitude from a stranger who sacrificed greatly for you or cared super well for you, super patiently for you. How much more our own mother to not withhold thanks from her. Give thanks to mom from your heart. Here's an idea that is put forward in a book by Dennis Rainey. He really challenges people to write a tribute to their parents before they die. We have this notion, many of you have already lost your parents, but we have this notion that mom and dad will always be with us. And how about this? How about instead of waiting until their funeral, we leave nothing left unsaid. In fact, how about even more, we put in writing a tribute to our mom, to our dad. There's something about the written word that is able to be lingered over and reread and held on to. He gives account after account of this being done and just the the moving thing that it was for that parent. Here's number three. Number three is, I'm sorry. Now this one is really hard and really important. This phrase will will be needed often because we all fail in many ways. Right about the time you get one thing working out in your life, there's a whole new field of ways to fail. This is part of the nature of life. One step forward, three steps back is how it often feels. Much healing is available from two simple words. I'm sorry. If you're anything like me in our home, we are constantly working to model and to explicitly teach what a good apology is, and what a not-so-good apology is. When I say, use the words, I'm sorry, I'm talking about a sincere apology. It's not the, I'm sorry, but variety, right? I'm sorry, but is this. Anyone you are apologizing to, if I said to Sue, Sue, I'm really sorry, but what what does Sue hear? All Sue hears is anything following the but, right? Does she even remember, I'm sorry, not a, for a, not a chance. I'm sorry, but she immediately leans in and listens to see if, wait a minute, what? That is not a sincere apology. Here's another really popular one. Ready? I'm sorry if you felt. Da, 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 da. What is that doing? That's putting all the blame on the other person. I'm sorry if you took it this way. I'm sorry if you felt. That's not an apology. That's back the dump truck up, beep, 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 just dump it all on the other person. Mom says, thanks, but no thanks. Keep your apology. That just made me feel rotten. Here's what a sincere apology is. It is owning up to your part completely. It is repenting and letting that person know that you've repented. Are words part of it? Absolutely. Is body language a part of it? You better believe it. How about your actions? Your actions leading up to it and following the apology. All of that speaks to the apology. A sincere apology leads to the path of reconciliation. 
You don't always get there, but it opens the path up. Some of you are sitting here right now, maybe as adults. Maybe your mom is 90 years old today and you are thinking, Dave, you don't know my mom. You're probably right. I probably don't know your mom. But I know God. I know my own failings. I know my mom's great strengths and weaknesses. And I know this. I know that you can't control your mom. And that trying to control your mom is useless. I also know that simply offering her the gift of an I'm sorry, a genuine apology from the heart, is what God opens us to do and enables us to do. I started to compile a little bit of a list. You know, there's a certain truth to just the fact that God says it. We should just do it. We should just obey, whether we see it or not. There are times I intentionally withhold from my kids what the reward is, what blessing there is, all of that. They want to know, and I go, yeah, just just do it. You know why? Because that's a lot of my life of faith with God. But as I stopped and pondered, I thought, what is honoring parents? What does I'm sorry do? Well, here are a few gifts that come with honoring your mom and dad this way. Deeper, more meaningful relationships. Maybe with your parents. I'm sorry, taking the initiative to repent and apologize opens the door to reconciliation. I've seen it a hundred times. But maybe they are cold as can be and they reject it. You know what? It actually builds meaningful, deep relationships with other people because it unlocks you. Secondly, sort of unburdening yourself and unblocking the relationship. Many people feel a deep sigh. <sighs> Just to say, man, I didn't realize how good that would feel to just offer a sincere apology. Is your parent 80% to blame and you're 20% of the blame? I don't know. I think percentages can get us into trouble. But what if we just acknowledged our 20%, our sin before the Lord, and then shared it with our parents, say, I'm really sorry, and left it at that. Another gift that comes from honoring mom and dad this way is the surprising gift of forgiveness and restoration. One of the things I get to do in my sort of calling is I have a front row seat to restoration where people say, Dave, in a million years, I never would have thought I would see my dad break down and start bawling like a baby. What unlocked the door? It was me coming with humble, genuine repentance and offering that. Two more. Another gift is it's proof of your faith. You know, it's proof of your faith when you honor. You only obey, o- o- obey your parents for a season. In our culture, once you move out of the house, that's a good marker to say you're no longer obeying your parents. I just moved my son to Billings, Montana. I'm not calling him tomorrow uh, to make sure he did the dishes. He can do the dishes or not do the dishes. Not my call anymore. You obey for a season, you honor for a lifetime. You never stop honoring your parents. So proof of your faith is trusting God to do his part and you obeying the command to honor your mother and your father. Lastly is knowing that you make your heavenly father smile when you obey. When you obey and just honor your parents because God tells you to and you trust him in that, you're putting a smile on your heavenly father's face. All right, one more. 
The last one is this, hello. Aren't these easy words to remember? No Greek to learn, no big acronym, (laughs) hello. You know, it blesses mom when you say hi. If you're living at home right now, you're like, I say hi plenty. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Teenagers, here's what happens. We have a basic rule in our home that there's a basic courtesy to when we're coming and going. We let people know, hi and goodbye. Instead of just walking in and out of the door. It blesses mom when you say hi. We have it now easier than ever. I don't have my phone with me. With the phones that live in our pocket to say hi to mom. Text, FaceTime, send a picture, send a memory. Hey, I'm thinking about you. Some of you are emoji crazy. Great. Send mom an emoji if you want. Don't just do it on Mother's Day. Say hi. One of the biggest desires for me as a dad is just being together with my kids. The older my kids get, the more of a treasure it is when we are all together in one place. I love it when effort is made to be at the family dinner, to be at family functions, to be at vacations and holidays and family functions together. Your presence, your prioritizing that is a way to honor your father and mother. I know they weren't perfect because there's no perfect parents. Some of you have horrifically wicked parents that have done horrifically dishonorable things to you. Are there all kinds of nuances to how to protect your family and family gatherings? Absolutely. I get that. But on your mom by saying hello and never stop saying hello. I love this quote. A mother holds her hand for a while, but their heart forever. It's hard for moms when, when kids, you move and go on to start your life away from them. Church, I want to call us. I think we ought to be one of the most countercultural places um, in the city on any given su- Sunday, on any range of topics. But I think there's room for us to shine like stars in the midst of a wicked and crooked uh, generation. There is all kinds of confusion around gender and around mothering and all of that happening all around us at all times. I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. Here's a way to be countercultural. Ready? Celebrate moms. Honor mothering as vital, esteemed work. Here's another one. Celebrate and honor the grandmas of the church, the older women of the church who have no children, but have been like mother, spiritual mothers to lots of people. Older women, you didn't used to be someone when you had little ones to care for. You are someone right now. Church, we have an opportunity to to celebrate and honor and value those women in our church. I had a very unique experience this week. I witnessed a mom have her brand new child placed in her arms this week. Now, before you think that sounds too creepy, like I I was in the birthing room for someone other than my wife, that's not what happened. This was a court hearing for a little child being adopted into their forever home. And through Zoom, instead of being there at the courthouse, which I've been there before, I got to do it via Zoom. And it was so powerful. In fact, I was was a teary mess sitting in my office watching this take place. It was little Alyssa's fourth birthday. And on her fourth birthday, she got a family. She got a mom and a dad and a sister for the rest of her life. The judge did something which happened in Ethiopia and China for us. And as I thought about it, I thought, man, this is what 
This is what women who are giving birth to their child are saying with their actions and their screaming and their pushing. They are saying this non-verbally, but it's a powerful thing to hear read out loud. It's like vows at a wedding. The judge made mom and dad raise their right hand and promise what he was about to read them. I reached out to my buddy Jordan, and he couldn't find what it was, and he did searching. My wife and I have been searching. I don't have the exact script, but here's what the judge made them promise. He made them promise to take this little girl into their family as their very own, to always protect her, to always nurture her, to always care for her. He made them promise to help her with her dreams and to love her through all of her faults and trials. And at the end, they said, I do. A legal promise in front of witnesses and before God to devote themselves to this child. It was awesome. Now, we know it doesn't always turn out this way. We live in a broken world. As I said at the beginning, this is a complicated topic. I want to say this, Neighborhood Bible Church, you have loved the children of this county exceedingly well. This church in particular, this church family has fathered and mothered children who have broken homes really, really well. In fact, we've helped pave the way for what now is 150 partner churches for Foster the Bay in all 10 counties of the Bay Area. This adoption ceremony they got to witness was from the pastor at Almaden Neighborhood Church. Here's what's powerful. In the very early days of Foster the Bay, one of the first churches I reached out to after the first five that started this thing was my buddy Jordan. I love Jordan Wong. He's a dear brother. And I went to him, and here's what he said. He said, Dave, someone tried fostering at our church years ago. It was horrible. It was a really bad experience. It was difficulty with the county. It was difficult with the birth parents. And it just, it was like a walking billboard to not do this. Whatever you do, don't foster. <laughs> I said, Jordan, my prayer for you, I want you to know my prayer for Almaden Neighborhood Church in Almaden. I said, my prayer is that God would restore and redeem that image. And he would do a complete 180. <laughs> and then look who God used to redeem the image. Their pastor. It was not on Jordan's heart to adopt or even foster. And several times as we went through this, Jordan, uh, we would meet and he'd be like, hey, how is this? How do you do this? And what's happening here? And can you pray for me? I don't think I'm up for this. They were about to be empty nesters and now they have a four-year-old. Isn't it just like God to take something broken and turn something absolutely beautiful from it? Let me just put this word out. Today is mostly a celebration, NBC, of our work in Foster Bay, but let me put this out because I can't pass this moment on Mother's Day. The lead recruiter for foster families in Santa Clara County, this is very local to our county, just met with a teammate of mine, Christine. And when Christine asked her, how many families would it take to have more than enough to meet the needs, the current needs of kids entering the foster system? Here's what she said. She said, I would love to see, this is a direct quote, I would love to see 50 English-speaking families open to all ages and 50 Spanish-speaking families raised up this year. A hundred families, half English, half Spanish. 
NBC, I put this out to us. What church is better positioned to again lead the charge in this than Neighborhood Bible Church? There is still a crisis mode going on. And so we stop and we celebrate and we care well for all the kids that have been brought in through this church. But we also put our eyes forward and say, God, there's room for one more here at Neighborhood Bible Church. Not just in the fostering family, but all of us doing something to make that available. Let me have the band come on up. And we're going to close with some singing. Continuing our worship with some song. And while they do that, let me just pray and we'll move on. God, I'm so thankful for your clear instruction to us. Thank you for our moms. God, we thank you even for the complexity that comes with that. Some are just starting out in this, God. There are, there are women who long to be mothers. And God, are, are barren or not married and choosing to trust you. Lord, we hold them up to you. God, I thank you for the, the single women that I know of who are fostering, who are not settling for plan B, but they're moving forward with the work you've called them to do, and um, God, they're, they're pouring in there. Lord, I think of um, the moms who are with young children right now, maybe having sleepless nights, maybe entering motherhood for the very first time. God, would you comfort all the fear and trepidation? I pray that all moms in every season, those just entering or in the thick of the teenage years, God, those who are walking right now through empty nester, God, those who've had children out of their home for a really long time, God, would you fill them up? Would they look to you? Would they rejoice in the hope that they have in you? That's never going to be taken away. God, I pray they would even rejoice in the trials and the suffering they're experiencing right now. Lord, may it take our moms and make them needy children looking to you, eyes on you, to our perfect Father who's good and faithful and powerful and protective. And God, not only do you have all the male sort of attributes of fatherhood, but you're gentle and you're nurturing and you're understanding and you're patient God, all the things that we tend to to steer more towards the mothering, nurturing components. Thank you for being our good Father. In Jesus' name, amen.